1: The SB Nation NFL Show is on the clock, and we've got a banger for you today. I'm your host, Michael Kist, and let's set the table for what you're about to hear today and next week here at the SB Nation NFL Show. And if you like what we got on deck, remember, subscribe, rate, and review in apple podcasts or wherever you get your pods all right we're less than a week away from the 2021 nfl draft and as such this is what we're calling our digital row kickoff event you're going to hear four interviews in this show first up is our own rob stats guerrera talking with espn's mike greenberg about covering the draft from a media perspective then it's my chat with los angeles rams wide receiver robert woods And I had a lot of fun with Robert on that one, talking about how rookie wide receivers transition to the pros and a ton more. After that, I've got Mike Renner, lead draft analyst for Pro Football Focus. We're going to dig into the top non-QB prospects in the draft. And finally, I am joined by a dear friend, Benjamin Solak of Bleeding Green Nation and the Draft Network, where we sift through the nonsense and smoke that's surrounding the 49ers' third overall selection. Plus, we'll get into some of the most talented day two guys that could or should sneak into the back end of the first round all great conversations so i'm excited to bring those to you and i'm also excited to tell you about what we've got going on next week starting next week monday football monday is going to be mocking it up on tuesday we've got a bevy of local experts From our team communities chopping it up about the state of their respective divisions going into the draft, what could happen, what could screw their team over, what could happen inside each division. On Wednesday, we're going to take you inside the war room to really uncover what it's like for teams as they prepare and execute the NFL draft. And to do that, we've brought in former Jets general manager and Dolphins executive Mike Tannenbaum. On Thursday, we're going to get you up to date with everything that's happened during the week to get you primed and ready for the big SB Nation NFL show live stream. That's right. Live for the first night of the draft. You'll be able to check us out on a plethora of different platforms. We'll have talent from the SB Nation NFL show all over it. We're bringing in, again, our local experts to analyze their team's respective selections. It's going to be a blast. We'll be taking questions from the audience as well. So come join us and have a great time with the awesome team that we have put together here at SB Nation for the SB Nation NFL show live stream during night one of the nfl draft we'll also be wrapping up the draft with recaps i mean look we've got this thing covered from every angle and word on the street is we're going to be joined by north dakota state quarterback trey lance for an interview next week potential top five pick right there telling us what's going through his head before his life completely changes now that i've given you a taste of what's on tap for next week let's get to the meat and potatoes of the show in order you're going to hear mike greenberg robert woods mike renner and benjamin solak here is stats kicking it off with Mike Greenberg. Let's hit it.
2: What is good, everybody? This is the SB Nation NFL show. I'm Rob Stats Guerrera. And as we approach the NFL draft, I have the privilege of speaking to a man who is going to do something that not many people have gotten the chance to do. In fact, Greeny, I don't know if you know this, but more people have walked on the moon than have hosted <laughs> the NFL draft. Did you know that? <laughs>
3: I did not. Um, I, I love the stat that more people have walked on the moon than have scored runs off of Mariano Rivera in the postseason. Um, but I did not know that one. So that's pretty good. Um, it's 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 Wingo, Berman, me, Bob Lee, I think. Who else? I, I mean, if we're just including ESPN, um, because I spoke to Rich Eisen the other day, and of course, he's hosting it for NFL Network. It's, it's such an enormous event now. But yeah, it's 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 extraordinarily cool, and I will put that one in the bank. I like it. Me and and, and Neil Armstrong.
2: That's <laughs> the only time that you could be mentioned in the same sentence. I think it's Joe Thomas, George Grandi, Berman, Wingo, and you.
3: George Grand, yeah, uh, he was the the original one of the originals. Yeah, look, I mean, ESPN made this event, and and long before I had anything to do with it, and um, ESPN and the NFL together have combined to do, I think, what can only be described as a brilliant job of turning this exercise, which is really all it is, into must-see TV. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's it's just a, an awesome event and I just need to get out of its way and let it happen. And because, you know, Statsum I and you, you've been with me for a long time. Like I'm used to doing shows that people are tuning in to hear what I have to say. In this case, my job is just to make sure everyone gets whatever information they need. But for the most part, they're tuning in to see the the entire power structure of the league reshaped while simultaneously seeing the wildest dreams of 32 young men and their families coming true so it's a it's a it's an awesome spectacle and and like i said i just need to get out of the way and let it happen
2: well, there is nobody better at ESPN than navigating all of that stuff. And I can say that having worked with you for years, you do it and you make it look easy. And there's a lot of mouths to feed on that set green. I know the temptation for me after every pick would just be to like, look to my right and be like, Mel, but you can't do that.
3: <laughs> no. So, so here's honestly, if, if you want to know how I looked at it, when, when I first got the assignment and I was told for certain who I'd be on the set with, I sat down and I thought about it, and I thought, okay, well, what do people want to hear from these different guys? So I've got Mel Kuyper, I've got Lewis Riddick, I've got Booger McFarland on the set with me. Susie will be doing interviews, Adam and, and Mort will be doing all the insider stuff, but the, the primary set will be the four of us. So I thought, Mel, for Mel, we want to hear who is this player and how good is he? From Lewis, we want to hear how good is this fit? How is this the right pick for this team to make? And from Booger, we want to hear, does this make them better than them? So, for example, um, you know, just making this up now, Washington trades up and and gets a quarterback, um, you know, which I don't expect to happen. But it's one of these rumors that are out there. You know, I, I think a very reasonable question for Booger is, Okay, do they win the NFC East now? Hands down, you know, that kind of thing. So so that's sort of my my guiding strategy going into it is each guy has sort of their own lane that you figure they fill. And I'll I'll just try and send them there, and then it, it, inevitably the stuff will descend into a free for all numerous times, and that's the best part. And I, I I told them, you know, if if I if the pick is made and I say Mel, and then the next words I say are, "Here comes the commissioner," then we're doing great. Um, I don't anticipate them needing a lot from me in between.
2: I love the draft. I'm into every second of it because. It's how empires rise and fall in the National Football League. And and it's all about hope, right? Every fan wants to believe, watching it, that their team is starting a dynasty. But the reality is, of course, that's not the case. So how do you balance the desire to sort of fulfill the fans' hopes and dreams with the reality of half the guys picked on Thursday are going to be busts?
3: Right. And the overwhelming majority of that will not be their fault. Um, you know, football is the ultimate, I, I have this too cliche to say football is the ultimate team sport. Let's put it this way. In football, basically every player is a system player, which is to say every single player, let's just use Thursday night, for example, in the first round of the NFL draft, every player who will be drafted that night has definitively demonstrated they are talented enough, skilled enough, fast and strong enough. To succeed in the NFL, if utilized properly, if wherever they go, um, their strengths are accentuated and their weaknesses are minimized. And the unsuccessful franchises are unsuccessful because they do the opposite of that, because they take the best available player and say, "Okay, this guy, he's so good. I'm taking him. But what he did really well in college was this. But I'm going to have him do this. And that guy is the guy who becomes a bust. Obviously, there are some exceptions to that. Some guys are just busts because they don't have the intestinal fortitude. They get the money and they don't care anymore. I mean, there there are exceptions. But by and large, I blame the teams much more than the players for most of the picks that go wrong. So I think the best we can do on the night of the draft is evaluate what are the strengths of this player? What makes them so good? And how do they fit into this place they just took? And how do we project that? Okay, what? I'm just going to make up an example. The Baltimore Ravens, who could use you know, a, a big physical receiver, who can go up and catch 50-50 balls because they don't have necessarily the most pinpoint accurate quarterback. So they don't take Elijah Moore, the little slot guy who's small and inside and fast, and you need to put the ball on the button. But they take Terrace Marshall, the, the, the big physical receiver out of LSU, who'll just run down the field and you throw it up there and he'll jump up and catch half of them. Um, if the the good teams will take that guy, they'll take Terrace Marshall. Does this pick make sense? The bad teams in that situation will take the wrong guy because they project him as a better player than the other guy. So that's what we can do. The best we can do is is analyze the fit. How does this guy fit into what this team needs and what does it mean? That that seems to me to be a sensible way to approach this.
2: 100% agree. Circumstance dictates so much of this. And I remember you saying... Back in the Mike and Mike days, uh, it always stuck out to me because at the time I thought you were crazy. And now I see the wisdom behind the words. You had said that if Al Toon had been drafted by the 49ers and Bill Walsh, not that he would have become Jerry Rice, but he would have had a much, much better career than he ultimately ended up happening because of the circumstance, the quarterback, the system and everything that's around you.
3: Yes, I'll give you that's correct. That was my father, actually, who originally said that. (laughs) Um, but, but, but what I will say is I'll give you a much more, I'll give you a much updated example of that. Thank you. If Sam Darnold had been drafted by the Kansas city chiefs into the exact circumstances, Patrick Mahomes was, now they were not in the same draft class. They were one year apart, but work with me. If they were, if, if that, if Sam Darnold, if you just picked him up and put him where Patrick Mahomes has been from the minute Mahomes got drafted. Sam Darnold will be a star in the NFL today. I'm not saying we'd be saying he's the greatest quarterback of all time, like we are with Mahomes, but he'd be a star. And if Patrick Mahomes had been drafted into the exact circumstances that Sam Darnold has been drafted into and everything else had gone the same with, I mean, the Jets are about to have their fourth coach in three years and all the rest of that, they'd be looking for another quarterback right now. That's just the way it goes. And we'd be calling Patrick Mahomes a bust and, and obviously, Patrick Mahomes has all the talent and ability in the world to become a great quarterback. And so that's what it's about. The, the franchise is, look, this is a perfect example of this on the day that you and I are having this conversation. The Steelers just extended Mike Tomlin three more years. That's called organizational stability. What does that mean? It means hiring people you believe in and giving them the chance to fail every once in a while. And Mike Tomlin candidly has... Not at all. He hasn't even had a losing season. But the point is, you ride through some of the downs along with the ups because you believe in the people that you have hired. When you have no faith in your own ability to hire people, then the second things start going sideways, you make changes. What does that say? It says you never really had conviction in in the decision you made in the first place. It means you have no idea what you're doing. And so when you look at these franchises that are just cycling coaches and coaching staffs and thus players in and out and in and out constantly, that's why they stink because the people making the decisions don't know what they're doing and down deep inside, they know that. So when things start to go wrong, they change everything. Now the Steelers are the opposite of that. And that, that is why they don't always win the championship every year, but generally speaking, they're always good. And when they have a down year or two, they know how to sort of put it back together again because they have competent people in place and they trust them to do the job.
2: You mentioned Sam Darnold, so I'm going to go to the Jets because right now, Greeny, I am looking at a tweet from one Nikki Greenberg, your own flesh and blood, who tweeted, In my lifetime, my father has decided that Chad Pennington, Mark Sanchez, and Sam Darnold have been the saviors of his team, and I am only 20. Does that hurt coming from your own daughter?
3: Well, let me tell you, that that might be the most successful tweet in the history of the medium. I want you to consider that when the Darnold trade to Carolina happened, the most engaged with tweet of that trade uh, using Darnold was Adam Schefter breaking the story. The second most engaged with tweet (laughs) was Nikki. (laughs) <laughs> Nikki began that day with 77 Twitter followers. chefty has got to have, what, five, six million? Mm-hmm. So she had 77 followers. It got it got, it got liked like 22,000 times. I don't know how that happened. I retweeted it. There's no. I've never had anything liked 22,000 times. So obviously, it must have gotten picked up somewhere else. I don't know where, but someone must have picked that up and posted it, and people just started rolling with it. So it is hilarious. Look, Nikki has lived with this her entire life. Uh, she remembers what it was like back when the Jets were actually playing playoff games and she was wearing a Santonio Holmes jersey, wow. even though she didn't know who Santonio Holmes was. Um, and, you know, it's been a very long time. Um, so, yes, my, my daughter is very well aware that there was a time when the Jets were good. And that was a time when we were much happier in our house on Sundays. <laughs>
2: Uh, by the way, as a Niner fan, as another a fan of a team that's going to be picking a quarterback, you should be happy with Zach Wilson. I am telling you now, just as a little heads up for you, the pick is going to be Justin Fields. I don't care what anybody says. Mel Schefter. It's me. I'm in this thing every day, knee deep with the Niners. Greeny, don't buy into the Mac Jones. It is Justin Fields. And do not be shocked at all when it happens.
3: OK, so so this is just so funny to me. So. Everyone is telling us it's going to be Mac Jones. You're telling me it's, it's going to be Justin Fields. From the minute they made the trade, my gut was that it was going to be Trey Lance, and and the reason is, and look, I've never seen until I got this assignment, I'd never seen Trey Lance play a snap in my entire life. But the more you dive into it, the more it really feels like Trey Lance may have an upside. That is is the greatest of any of the quarterbacks in this draft, maybe even including the first one. Um, and the question is going to be, to the point we were making earlier, who can unlock that? Who can take the ridiculous athleticism, the ridiculous arm talent, the ridiculous um, natural leadership, uh, you know, personality that he seems to have, and figure out the right way to use it? Because he's only played seventeen games, and they all came in the lower level, and we all know the reasons. But I've always thought Kyle Shanahan struck me as the kind of person who himself thought he could do that. And it has never in the in my life made sense to me to trade two number one picks to go up to get Mac Jones. I mean, if you wanted Kirk Cousins that badly, you could have gotten him for a lot less than that. And that to me is what Mac Jones looks like. So I'm with you. I, I've thought it would be Trey Lance. It would make a lot more sense to me if it's Justin Fields than it would if it's Mac Jones. If it's Mac Jones, I will I'm with you, at least on that that I'll go that far I'll be really surprised
2: yeah there's no chance you want a guy that gives you accuracy and mobility that's the one thing that the 49ers haven't had it's and it's bit them in big time spots over and over again so it is going to be Justin Fields I'm just want to make sure that that someone at ESPN knows that it will be Justin Fields because I don't hear that coming from Bristol a lot so now you know and there are no more surprises. The draft. Well, I'd is- love you
3: to be right, I, I, honestly, because it would it would add a level of intrigue. You know, my uh-huh. biggest concern hosting that night is just if everything starts. You know, all these drafts are defined by the quarterbacks, and if everything kind of goes exactly as expected, then boom, 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 they start falling. And now, you know, we're at pick number eight, and all the quarterbacks are off the board, and everything went kind of according to oil. And it's a, it, it could has the potential to be a little bit of a ho hum affair. The minute you get something like that, that totally changes up what everyone expects. Now we're, now we're talking. So I'm a hundred percent hoping that you were right.
2: And there is no better person to guide you through the potential craziness than Mike Greenberg. The draft is Thursday, April 29th on ESPN and pretty much everywhere at 8 PM Eastern time. You will be hosting Greeny. You are going to crush it as usual. And I thank you for the time today.
3: Good to see you stats. Thanks my man.
1: Special thank you to Mike Greenberg for joining us. Now let's kick it to my interview with Rams wide receiver Robert Woods as we join the conversation with Woods explaining his reaction to Matthew Stafford coming to L.A.
4: Okay, you know, Matthew Stafford is accomplished quarterback, uh, always getting it done in the passing game, always one of the top leaders in, in yards. So to to bring him over to our offense, uh, our caliber of receivers, uh, our, our coach's um, caliber of coaching, <laughs> I think it's a it's a great matchup for, for everyone to get Stafford in his offense.
1: I would I would agree with you there. I'm a big big Stafford guy. Let's let's dig into your game though a little bit. And with the NFL draft uh coming up, maybe we could talk about it like this. When I look at your please don't take this the wrong way, when I look at your combine and I look at your film, I don't see that testing reflected in your play. What were people missing about your game if they were just looking at the measurables when you were coming out?
4: Uh I would say you just gotta <laughs> look at the player, obviously, uh, numbers, numbers are numbers, um, four, three, four, 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 five. I mean, they're not that much far apart. Um, and the spaces that we're running, but really you just got to look at the guy. I mean, like, I never shied from any level of competition from high school, always went to all the the top camps and competed with the, the best ones. Um, I wasn't just ranked number one, uh, receiver, and and coming out of high school because, or athlete, because of of size, it was literally because I was going up and competing against who people labeled were top guys, and I were able to compete and and improve myself with them, as well as going to USC, uh, being a freshman starter, offensive uh, freshman of the year, All-American at USC, and really, you just got to look at the the history, obviously, Um, but letting it call finalists, but when you look at the type of player uh, who I am, you know, I, I don't shy away from competition. I don't shy away from contact. And I think you see that now being displayed in my game is that I, I go across the middle. I, I, I block defensive ends. I get handoffs. I'm the kind of guy that, that does whatever it takes to help his team win. And I would say, and and do it pretty well as well.
1: Yeah, I would agree. And I want to dig into something you said there. This is actually one of the questions I had for you. Because I remember sitting down to your film a few years ago, and the first thing I saw was about three or four like really tough catches over the middle in traffic, like in succession. What's going through your mind when you're knifing through the teeth of a defense and trying to make a play while like, also not trying to get your head taken off, obviously?
4: Yeah, at that point, uh, I always even just like – you know, like in those movies, you're you're falling through just that blank space, and it's just <laughs> that black hole. That's that's me running across the middle of the field. It's just <laughs> in football. That's that's all I can focus on. There's no fans. There's no defenders, and it's almost like as soon as you catch that ball or touch that ball, it's boom! It's it's back to reality. It's like it all snaps back. Yeah. Um. I would say that's kind of how I am. You got to go across fearless. Obviously, you trust in your quarterback to protect you the ball placement um but other than that is it's fearless you it through the ball and i'm expecting not to get hit i'm expecting to split these guys or, or barely miss the defender so really I, i'm not expecting contact i'm expecting yards after catch <laughs>
1: i like that and 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 part of that is setting things up and i'm a, I'm a big fan of your route running your technique w- was nailing those things down like a big difficulty spike coming from the nfl like what were some of the differences between setting guys up in college as opposed to the NFL?
4: Yeah, that's, that's a great question. I would say, uh, college and everything under you just, you just running, you're just running around. And I would say even early on in my career, uh, I was just out there running around, just getting to a spot fast. I'm like, you want me here? All right, I'm here. Yeah. Um, but now I would say it's a, it's a savviness, a timing. Um, I know how to be deceptive with guys with my eyes, uh, with, the speeds I'm running. So really uh, at this point in my career, I'm, I'm playing with different foot techniques. I'm playing with my speed. I'm running full speed, I'm throttling down. I'm looking a different way and running another way. All these different tricks and, and techniques that I've learned through experience, um, watching film and really just adding that to the game. I think right now it makes it so much easier to have that experience. Uh, And that's really what I tell young guys. I I try to teach them about the experience thing uh, right away. Just um, look, you know, you could do this uh, just so they can adapt early and uh, become, reach their peak a lot faster.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask you about those young guys and like what they need the most work on, but you kind of answered that. So what I want to ask you is, how do you how do you coach them off the field maybe like or advice you would give them because you you, Robert you've been able to to earn a couple real nice contracts in the league since your rookie deal and congratulations on that what's your advice to the young fellas getting drafted like this year when it comes to their money and that and that rookie contract that sounds like a lot of money but for a lot of people that I've talked with doesn't doesn't really last and and there's a lot of different components of that but what's what's your advice to them there
4: yeah, I, I was so excited when I first signed my rookie contract. And <laughs> <laughs> it's the thing now. is totally different. But um, I tell I tell young guys, um, find out what you need in the offseason. It took me three years to find out what kind of workout best benefited me. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, going after my first year, you're like, oh, I'm an NFL receiver. All I do is uh, need to just do cones and work on my hands. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you're like doing that. And then you're like, okay. The next year, OK, I need to get stronger. So you do more weight room lifts or you may do boxing work on your hands. And my third year, I found out track, track and hills, running, running was it for me. It, it I felt my best going into training camp and off seasons, um, just just coming back for training camp, fully ready, being able to run every single route, uh, strong, fast, being able to play with my different speeds. And I tell guys, find out, try different things in offseason. season. Find out what best benefits you. Don't just hone in to one thing. You kind of gotta find what works best for your your skill set and and your body, really, because everybody is different. There's big receivers, there's small receivers, quick twitchy receivers, and some receivers who just have big hands and and, and being able to be able to snatch the ball. I like.
1: Let, let's take it off the field. Like, how do you get your mind right off the field? What's your hobby? What are you playing? What are you watching? What What are you doing? Because I I, I notice in in my work, I just like to do something completely different that is that isn't sports. Are you the same way, or are you just all sports all the time?
4: No, I'm actually I must be like you. You know, I try to stay away from the sports and all seasons. Barely watch football. I really just try to and, and, and enjoy our break. Um, I play video games, uh, swim, travel, love cooking. Um right now we're me and my wife we're expecting our first uh, baby on the way. I know that'll bring some new activities <laughs> on board, but really just just getting excited for uh just what we're doing in, in this off season and in this off season we're able to work with Castro uh, able to do our uh park cleanup uh this off season being able to have volunteers come out. Uh, is really, really key to being able to have an impact in our in our communities.
1: Robert, tell me a little bit more about that Castrol's Driving for Change initiative and what y'all are hoping to achieve there.
4: Yeah, we're really trying to impact uh, all of our uh, communities, all of our, our fans, uh, really to come out and, and have an impact and reduce our impact on the environment any way possible. Uh, small things to big things. Uh, some of the things include, you know, coming out and volunteering uh, for our away games. We're going and picking up trash in the communities. Uh, if you want to partner up with that, uh, if you want to, you know, take accountability in your home, you're able to, you know, use less electricity, even, um, find ways to use public transportation, um, using bicycles, um, all these things, uh, play an impact in in reducing our impact to the environment, um, recycling, um, using less plastic, um, any ways, uh, possible. Um, we recently did a, a cleanup two weeks ago, which was which is which is nice to be able to do at home uh, in our home city. Seeing the volunteers come out and uh, start to keep it miracle.
1: Robert, last question for you. I've seen a lot of debate on the timeline about like, is Julian Edelman a, a Hall of Famer or whatever the case may be? When you when you think back to your football career or even just you as a person what do you want your legacy to be when
4: well, you come in uh you want to be you want to be the best uh in in the in the game it, it doesn't change and you're nine you still I'm still chasing Jerry Rice's standard Calvin Johnson's standard of of all these yards of being the best having all these catches uh that's my goal I I know Julian Edelman retired I want to say it's 12 seasons uh seen Taylor Gabriel Taylor Gabriel mm-hmm. retire after six seasons, I'm coming up on year nine. Whatever it takes for me to get to Jerry Rice's yard, that's that's what I'm chasing. I, I plan on staying healthy, taking care of my body. I'm in a good situation here in LA. Um, so plan to be the best. I'm chasing Jerry, Jerry Rice's standard.
1: I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for the time, Robert. I'm a, I'm a big fan of your game, and I appreciate you taking a moment to talk with me.
4: Thanks, Michael. Thanks uh, for the questions, too. Pretty great. Absolutely, man. Thank you.
1: Robert Woods, so underrated. Okay, quick break, and then we'll be back with Mike Renner of PFF and Benjamin Solek of Bleeding Green Nation and The Draft Network.
5: Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference.
1: Mike, welcome back to the SB Nation NFL show. How you doing, brother? Doing great. Good to be back, brother. I'm glad to have you here with us as we go into this week of the NFL draft. And Mike, as the lead draft analyst for Pro Football Focus, I think it's pretty obvious what we're here to talk about. So let's do it. Let's talk some 2021 NFL draft. Uh what I wanted to run through here is some of the top of the board non-quarterback prospects. So we're talking Outside of Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, who run one, two, three on your board. And, and speaking of which, I'm pulling that information from the 2021 NFL Draft Guide from Pro Football Focus, which you had a big hand in. Uh, tell the gentle listeners about yet another great product that you guys uh, cooked up with your team there.
6: Yeah, I mean, we got 300 player profiles in this guide and they got all the stats and grades that, you know, on the NFL side, you get them all from now for the college players as well. And you got team pages that have biggest needs, how well they've drafted in past years, all the stuff you could possibly want. And if you use the promo code, actually draft 30, it's only seven bucks with any subscription you get. It is only seven. The the cheapest subscription is seven bucks. You get a draft guide
1: and I think that's pretty good value. So draft 30. It is packed with content, so I would agree that that is uh, definitely a great value. Look, so like I said, we're, we're putting aside the quarterback today, and we're getting right into it. We're, let's look at the top here. Uh, some of the guys obviously have been broken down to, down to death, like whether it's uh, Sewell from Oregon, Pitts from Florida. We know about these guys. We also know about Jamar Chase, but let, let's go to number six on your board. Somebody known as a top evaluator in the NFL said that LSU's Jamar Chase – was the best wide receiver prospect since Julio Jones back in 2011. Um, Do you agree with that? Does it matter? Should he be talked about in that Julio tier? What went through your head when you saw that take?
6: I mean, Julio wasn't even the first wide receiver drafted in 2011. It was uh, A.J. Green. But I didn't didn't evaluate Sammy Watkins. That was before our time doing this at PFF. Uh, I did evaluate Amari Cooper coming out. That's that's a toss-up to me. Him versus Amari Cooper. They both have their strengths and weaknesses. I think Amari Cooper is a little bit better of a route runner coming out because also you got to see his junior year, which was his massive year. Chase's sophomore year was his massive year. So that one, honestly, splitting hairs at that point. You just they're guys you know are going to come in and be number one receivers. Like you just you know that's the level of physicality we're working with. That's the level of production you are working with, and just how clean they are as receivers. There's not really a lot of this isn't like drafting Corey Davis fifth overall. It's a different level of prospect.
1: But, but like you said, you go back to it, and it feels revisionist. You could have made the case for a lot of wide receivers, including Amari yeah. Cooper, and I would make that case that he's up there with, with Jamar Chase. And I'm not trying to poo-poo uh, Jamar Chase here, but that was just a scorcher of a take I wanted to uh, kind of deal with.
6: Yeah, I mean, Watkins was a hell of a prospect, too. Yes, I mean, teams gave up. The Bills gave up a future first-rounder just to go right. get him. Like People thought of
1: him in that same light, too, so yeah and he was like the obvious like this guy's like a top five talent like that year at, at <clears> Clemson <throat> and whatnot. and then he had the foot injury and some weird things in his career and whatnot. but let's actually keep it with wide receivers. Let's go to eighth and the ninth players on the PFF uh, board here. We'll keep it with the uh with the wideouts. Alabama wide receivers Jalen Waddell and Devonta Smith. what are a gun to your head uh, who's your who's your guy? and like what if anything separates them?
6: That's the thing. They both have their high-end strengths. Uh, for De- Devontae Smith, it's his route running ability. Uh, the guy just gets off the line of scrimmage. He gets open. He is as clean as it gets as a prospect in that regard. Jalen Waddell, it's a level of athleticism that uh, no one else can touch. Like yeah. That guy, straight line, to his left, to his right, backwards. He's just as quick as it gets any which way. As explosive as it gets to the position, like it, it's just a special athlete and then has really good ball skills, like is a talented route runner, his own right. So you're splitting hairs. What do you want in your offense, honestly? Between yeah. even, even the conversation between them and Chase. It's like, do you want that guy who's gonna take the top off the defense? That's you're gonna draft Jalen Waddle then. If you really want a speed threat or a speed receiver in your offense, you're gonna draft Jalen Waddle. Do you want, you know, a guy you're gonna trust to run slants, comebacks, full route tree, whatever you want. That's probably gonna be Devontae Smith then. Like it, okay. it really is kind of a what are you gonna ask this guy to do? That's what's gonna be the deciding factor. They're not that dissimilar in terms of just pure how much talent you're working with here.
1: Is that is it kind of like the difference between Henry Ruggs and Jerry Judy, right? Like what are you asking this wide receiver to do? Obviously, I'm not comparing them directly, but it is kind of that question, right? Do you want to take the top off or do you want a more complete guy? Is that is that fair?
6: Um, I, I think this one's even more splitting hairs than last year. Like last year Judy could, you know, get deep. He could do a lot of things well. Like Ruggs was gonna be a limited to that. Right. I don't think Waddle's gonna be limited to that. Like okay. Henry Ruggs was just gonna be your deep guy in your offense. I don't see that as being Jalen Waddle. Like he can run a full route tree, he can get open on other stuff. He's just he also is small and not necessarily You're not going to probably put them on the outside as an X and say, hey, go run that route tree every single static alignment. Let them do that.
1: Right. And and speaking of like playing to the strengths and what you're drafting a guy for, like another water gun to your head scenario happens with the 12th and 14th players on your board here. You've got Alabama corner Patrick Sertain and you've got South Carolina's corner JC Horn. And I'll tell you, Mike, I put on Horn. And I immediately got Jalen Ramsey vibes. Not putting him in that tier, and that's probably unfair to make that comp. So I won't make that comp mm-hmm. directly. But it's hard—it's hard to avoid those vibes when you watch Horn. At least in my opinion. And, and look, success for these guys could depend on what kind of defense they get drafted into. So if you're looking for like their best possible scheme fits, like what works best for these two?
6: Yeah, I, I get what you're saying about Horn, though. Like you go back yeah. and watch Jalen Ramsey's tape, guys don't beat up opposing wide receivers like that in right. college. That doesn't happen. You, you got to be, you're on a different level. Those guys are like I said, horns on a different level. Ramsey is on a different level in the physicality to play with. Now I think the thing about Ramsey was you could see him. He had played safety. He had right. played slot at mm-hmm. Florida state. You saw him do a bunch of different things and do that with horn. It's like impress is what he does. And when he's not impressed, it's like, Ooh, this is not the same guy. Yeah. He's not nearly going to be as versatile. As, uh, you know, Jalen Ramsey he was slash is. So I think that's the biggest thing is like horn's got to go to a press man team or press three, you know, press head, press, whatever team. Yeah. Sertan doesn't necessarily. Now he's very good in press himself. Probably the most technically sound and like solid cornerback quite easily in this draft. Just not a lot of holes in this game, but then you don't see the high end dominance or like the lockdown, his side of the field against one guy. You, you never really saw that. So I'm getting beaten deep by you know guys like Josh Palmer, Tennessee wide receiver. Where it's like, yeah, you really shouldn't get beaten deep by that guy. Yeah. but he did a couple times, and so he's never really has awful reps, but then is never really like I said locking down his side of the field. So I think Sertan's the one I just I'd feel safer about him. If I'm you know more of a versatile defense, that's not going to just play press man. But if you're playing press man, that's your thing. You're drafting JC Horn. He's number one on your board.
1: What about cornerback Greg Newsom? The second from Northwestern because he checks in at 21 on this board, which I believe is a a notch up from the consensus. Not too far, but it's it's definitely uh, up there. And if I'm not mistaken, there's some people at PFF that are really pounding the table for Newsom to kind of be in the discussion with those top two, maybe now make it a top three, uh, a tier of its Mm -hmm. own. And like, am I am I reading this right? Only ninety three yards per PFF allowed in uh, in in twenty twenty in coverage. Yeah. That's that's pretty wild.
6: Yeah. Well, so they also played six games at Northwestern. Was also part of that. So
1: it's three hundred eighty seven. You know, coverage snaps, right, or total snaps, whatever whatever it is.
6: Yeah. So about a half a season. I'm so that extrapolates two hundred yards for a season. Yeah. Like he was locked down, and now Northwestern's defense, he's not doing what. Sertan did or Horn did you're not seeing them outside of a handful of snaps in press man or even man coverage at all it's a lot of spot drop zone there's a lot of bailing out in the cover three that sort of stuff in that northwestern defense so it's different just a different skill set but man on it like I said 93 yards he didn't get beaten like not a lot at all this past year's tape was really exceptional and, I, and I'm one of those guys banging the table for it to be a tier of three I think he is right up there with those other two and what he brings to the table physically. In my opinion, the best like feet in the draft class and the most versatility because of that and that he's really just never just never going to be off balance, out of control, anything like that because he's so gifted in that regard. Obviously, he ran a 4 7 as pro day has the speed to get it done as well. So if we would have seen more of this guy, you see 12 games with him. You see him against Chris Olave in the Big Ten Championship game instead of Olave being out and him getting... Uh, Newsom getting hurt like midway through that game, he might be cornerback one if you really got to see him. But you just you saw him against you know Minnesota, Wisconsin. I don't think he faced a receiver that was worth a damn uh, this whole season, unfortunately. So that's kind of his biggest. I don't even want to call that a knock, but that's why he's not. I think thought of in that regard.
1: Right there's a gray area there when it comes to the the, the competition. I I get that, and and you say that, and you say maybe it's a, a tier three. Other people would make the argument for Caleb Farley, but you have him, I think, around 27th, if I'm not mistaken, on your bo- on your board. Are there are there serious concerns with the back there, or, or what goes into that? What What's your feeling of uh, Farley's overall uh, game?
6: Yeah, it's the back. He's maybe the most talented of the bunch. Like That guy can absolutely fly down the football field. He has got ridiculous makeup speed, 6'2", 207, ridiculous size. Hmm. Uh, just like a... Physical nightmare for opposing wide receivers, but the back is scary. Second back surgery that he's had, and it is not a thing where backs don't just magically—you know—you don't grow bones back there. That that you you break those, they clean them up, and you're kind of just a lesser person after that. Or like that—that's just you're weaker in that in that regard. And it's especially concerning for a position like cornerback where you're not avoiding hits. You know, you're 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 tackling. Maybe it's not like safety, but you you're gonna have to it's not offense where you can you know you're taking maybe a couple hits a game you're having to stick your nose in it a good amount of times there so unfortunately I just that would be terrifying me to use a first round pick on a guy where more than likely going to have
1: more back issues over
6: the course of his rookie deal
1: yeah that scares the crap out of me let's go back to a guy that that you're higher on than the consensus this time I think there is a massive difference I'm talking about Walker little tackle Stanford checks in at 24th overall in the guide here substantially higher than I've seen at, at other places just about everywhere. What's up with that, Mike, explain that to me.
6: So, okay. <laughs> he was very good. It's more apples to apples here. His sophomore tape compared to anyone else's sophomore tape in this class, not named Penny Sewell. It was about as good, like about as good as it gets a sophomore tape as an office tackle. Now, we saw him for 72 snaps since then i think since he's turned 20 years old he's played 72 snaps of football whereas every other top tackle has played besides sewell has played over 750 snaps like you saw full seasons of them you got to see that development you got to see them take that next step with little as well as he played as a sophomore and like as highly talked about as he was at stanford by the coaching staff there no one gets, not a lot of guys get worse along the offensive line. Like you would have seen that progression. We just didn't get to. And so like, I, I truly believe like you th- could be getting a guy who is a much, much better player than even 26 ranked on the board than even where he is on the PFF board, even like in the mid twenties. But that, the fact that we just didn't get to see that development, like I said, uh, he has been putting in the work. I, I know firsthand that he has and like goes to his pro day and blows it up with his change of direction drills. And basically it's all around athletic profile. I'm going to buy into that now. Do I still draft that guy in the first round if I'm sitting there knowing that maybe i get him in second or maybe that like the NFL might not be as high in them because of that. That's a different question altogether, but I'm just ranking the talent of these guys. And I do think that he truly is like has that level of lockdown left tackle potential
1: all right I'm 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 picking up what you're putting down what do you think is your most controversial take going into this draft
6: maybe my most is Jason Owe being I would draft this guy pretty highly uh, I think a lot of people are poo-pooing Owe the Penn State defensive end mm-hmm. didn't have a sack this last year and people are saying you know so your most controversial takes
1: is, is sacks don't matter
6: it, yeah I mean is that go watch the tape and if like it was he wasn't hyper productive as a pass rusher, but it was not zero sacks. Like he was getting the job done, just didn't get home. Because he had like what, four and a half sacks. Like he had sacks last year and wasn't even a starter. So to me, what his sort of athletic profile is, the single best athletic profile I've ever seen from a defense event. Like any for any time we have from since 2000, since we have like verified athletic testing numbers. The guy is a absolute freak of nature and how much that helps you at the that defensive end, like how much that makes your life easier and how much development is basically predicated on having that those caliber of physical tools. Hmm. I'm gonna to buy in, especially since the guy's only been playing football since 2016, new to the game, had played basketball his whole life and then only just switched to football later on in high school. So I'm okay. uh, I think he'll get there. And I'd rather take the chance on a guy who has those than a guy who's maybe been like somewhat productive. But is nowhere near that level of a- athlete,
1: Mike. Thank you so much for joining us here on the SB Nation NFL Show. I really appreciate you you coming on as a as a returning guest, a friend of the show, oh, yeah. and a and a and a personal friend, a friend to me, uh, Mike. Last thing, you know, let the listeners know again where they can find you, where they can find your stuff. Plug whatever you want, man. Fire away. Hey,
6: you can find me on Twitter at pff underscore Mike. And like I said, any subscription gets you a draft guide, and right now the promo code draft thirty gets you thirty percent off. So. think that's a steal
4: (laughs) thanks mike
1: shout out mike renner for joining us let's get to the last but not least chat with my dear friend benjamin solak let's hit it ben welcome in to the sb nation nfl show i should say welcome back to the sb nation nfl show my longtime co-host over at bleeding green nation now with the uh the draft network still with bgn doing some stuff there obviously but ben this is this is the busiest time of the year for you because, like I said, the DraftNetwork.com is bumping right now. You're churning out a ton of content, but first, I'm gonna ask because I care. How you doing, brother?
7: Oh, everything's delicious, thank you. <laughs> I know yeah. it's it's been a hot second, but I was confident that at least one more time before the draft, you would come <laughs> crawling
1: back. And look, that I mean, I have to. You're you're one of the most respected people in the draft community. That's bad news. That's that's concerning <laughs> for the draft community. It's a tumultuous time in the draft community right now, and yeah. you're really taking advantage of that. So let's kind of uh, dig into some of the the major storyline here. So what we'll do is we'll we'll talk about the pick at three because it looks like pick one, Trevor Lawrence, pick two, Zach Wilson. Those look like locks. We'll talk about pick three and everything going on there and then we'll get to some some guys that you like in the day two range some some great values or some guys that you really like that you may think will will slip into the back end of round one because they're so talented but first let, let's let's dial in on pick three mm-hmm. the san francisco 49ers and there was a couple elements that i was telling you this before the show but as i look at the betting odds right now mac jones still the still the favorite there at the third overall pick the odds i'm seeing right now as of Thursday uh minus 150 for Mac Jones plus 160 for Justin Fields to be the third overall pick for the 49ers. However, I mean there there's there's some different things going on there because when you look at like the Justin Fields draft special prop bet, the San Francisco 49ers are in fact the favorite and I when I look at your most recent mock for the draftnetwork.com on April 20th, you have the San Francisco 49ers taking Justin Fields water gun to your head like what the heck is going on here because it's just been it's been months of smoke and leaks and all types of stuff especially surrounding justin fields what is your feel of the situation
7: i think that it's not mac jones and i don't think it's ever been mac jones and i think that when the Niners were picking at twelve, they thought that they might take a quarterback, and they talked about Mac Jones, who was more likely to be there at twelve than Trey Lance and Justin Fields. They hadn't made the trade yet, right? This was like March, yeah. and Shanahan was like, "Yeah, I can, I can win with Mac Jones. Like I've won with that quarterback before. You know what I mean? Like he can, he can be really good for us, and he's got." Something that Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't have. He's got presumed health. You know what I mean? Garoppolo's been missing games for two of the last three seasons, right? So you're, we're going to bring in this rookie. He's going to be cheaper. Uh, we're going to have him and Jimmy. We're going to be able to play Jimmy. If Jimmy gets hurt, we can put in Mac, And Mac will be better than CJ Beathard. And Mac will be better than Nick Mullins. And I can go and get us to another Super Bowl with this guy. And then there were these conversations around trading up to three. And I think that when it was talked about in the building, it was, okay, we can stay at 12 and maybe get Mac. We can also trade up to three and obviously Mack will still be there, but also Justin Fields might be there and Trey Lance might be there. Uh, Mm. Are those players worth that trade up? And clearly the answer was yes, because the Niners gave away multiple other first round picks to trade up, right? So it's the cost of 12 this year, plus another first round pick plus another first round pick, which you don't pay for a player similar in mold to other players currently in the NFL who you've already won games with. You pay right. that for an, an elite player. You pay it for a top 10% player. So that trade-up indicates to me it's not Mac Jones. It is Justin Fields or Trey Lance. Who is it among the two? You tell me. Like, I don't know. This is, for, like, we have no idea. It, Mac has been the betting favorite. Justin Fields became the betting favorite for a little bit. Trey Lance's odds spiked uh, after his pro day, right? It was, was like re- reported that Shanahan was kind of in the design phase with his pro day for whatever reason. Yeah. Uh, And now it's kind of back to Mac, small favorite, Fields close second, Lance distant third. Uh, I think that it's a toss up between Fields and Lance. I've heard from people that Lance is John Lynch's guy. I've heard from people that Fields is Shanahan's guy. Uh, So I don't know if one of those is a lie or if they're reconciling their differences with fisticuffs or what the situation is. I don't think it's Mac. I think that we're going to hear either Fields or Lance, who it is, have me back on the show at like thursday at 7 45 p.m and maybe i can tell you but up until then i don't know
1: well so ben's gonna join us for the uh the nfl show live stream and gonna be on with us all night he just now committed to that yeah there you. it is baby <laughs> i mean really what it, what it boils down to and, and you can give me a short answer on this because i i think it's pretty straightforward is all this stuff about justin fields coming out right a lot of it a lot of it to me just feels like it's it's absolute smoke season, right? The, the you know scouts and, and evaluators saying he can't go through his reads and he's the last guy in and the first guy out and blah, 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 blah. All this all this nonsense feels like it's coming from teams that really want him to be their franchise quarterback, right?
7: Right. Yeah, that's that's the whole like, oh, anytime something random gets dropped about a guy, it's because some team wants him to fall. Probably. Right. It's also just like, you know, people love knowing things. And so some guy New in nfl circles learned that fields has this epilepsy you know thing that that just recently got you know checked off for teams we've known Justin fields has <laughs> epilepsy for a while this is just he just has it it's fine uh and there's like oh this is news and then you send it along and it goes down everybody loves knowing things and sharing things and oh you know all this information uh right every year we have players who get significantly overthought at least one of those players is usually a quarterback very, very often. These are black quarterbacks because the league struggles uh, to fairly evaluate these quarterbacks relative to their expectations. Mm -hmm. Uh, Fields is closer to Trevor Lawrence than any other quarterback in this class is to fields. It is crazy that we're not even uh, like mad at the jets for taking Wilson above fields, let alone having this conversation about number three with the Niners. Uh, He's going to be underdrafted no matter where he goes, because he should go (laughs) to.
1: I 100% agree with you. Okay. So that, that's your, your main talking point coming into the draft. That's the big question. Number three. And then it'll, and then we'll see how the night goes from there. And as the night goes on, I wanted to talk so about, about some guys that you really love in like that, that high day two range, maybe sneak into the back end of, uh, of round one, some like real gems, some real movers, some real shakers, like Ben Solak's guys. Give me somebody that I should watch today if I were so inclined.
7: I haven't made the Ben Solak guys yet list. I got to tweet that out. Otherwise, how could I claim to be draft Twitter?
1: That's a that's a big hitter. That's like. That's yeah. a 5,500 type list. That's easy clout. <laughs> yeah. All right. If uh, you watch Greg Newsom corner to Northwestern yet, Mike Renner actually on this show was pounding the table for him, really yeah. likes him, especially comparative to consensus boards. I think he had him around 20th or 21st on his board, something like that. Where are you? Yeah.
7: We have him at 31, I believe, at TDN. Uh, mm-hmm. He's going to be a first rounder, fourth corner off the board, most likely. Very, very good player. Uh, availability concerns, lack of full tape because of college injuries is the biggest issue there. Uh very scheme diverse. Maybe the best zone cover corner right now in the league in terms of like off man coming out in this class. Yeah. Uh, that 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 kid can play. Uh, so I'm big on on Greg Newsom, uh, Liam Eichenberg. The tackle at Notre Dame came in with he's he's your sub 33 inch arms, but still extremely good at the position. So oh darn, we're gonna play him a tackle, and oh darn, he's gonna be good even though he doesn't have 33 inch arms. Right. It's uh, so a real big fan of Liam Eichenberg. Just like three year Notre Dame starter, as polished as they come, plug and play. Like when people talk about the. The chiefs at 31 being stuck at tackle to me like just eichenberg he's just gonna start like right away and be totally fine i don't think the length is a problem so i'm in on that the safety class is a weak class this year Travon mary got a tcu is gonna go round one and then it's a lot of guys afterward that are kind of uh, uh incomplete players inconsistent players to whatever degrees two guys that i really like are Talanoa hufanga at a u uh, usc uh 215 pounds he played at and in 2019, he was like a box linebacker for them. they put him up on the edge. they blitzed blitz with the sort of Jamal Adams role. And then in 2020, they were like, we need a deep safety. Go be a deep safety. And he was like, I'm not fast. And they're like, yeah, we don't care. Uh, and he had like good ball production. Um, but he can't. He's not a deep, deep middle player in the league. Uh, he ran. He, he cut mass to like 200 pounds and ran a 4'6". You know what I mean? This is not yeah, a fast yeah. dude. Um, but he's extremely instinctive. He's very explosive. He's a good hitter. Uh, so Talon Hufanga, if you're looking for a box safety, and then James Wiggins uh, out of Cincinnati who they called the freak there in that, in that program, he tested better than I think all, but two other safeties in this class, multiple year starter, uh, Cincinnati has like a, a pretty weird structure defense. he has reps in single high, he's reps coming down as a split safety as reps lining up in the box and the nickel, he did a ton of stuff for them. Uh, ACL injury so he's a little bit of a health concern but I don't think he's like a, a round one candidate but day two for sure James Wiggins uh, and who's uh, I want to think of one more guy who could like sneak and surprise into round one that people aren't talking about
1: well give me give me somebody who like, you you've known me for a long time and you really know like my type right mm-hmm. and, and I tend to fall in love with the cornerback and a safety uh, in every draft cycle and tend to be higher on them than like anybody else like i was i was huge on darnell savage i loved nasir adderley i loved justin reed we both did actually we, we love jesse bates and so on and so forth you know like my type mm-hmm. what about like my type guys like at at, at safety Who, who's the guy I would like everybody would have in like the late second i'd be like he's a first rounder
7: <laughs> right it's tr- it's not a good class Okay. Uh, okay. so right <laughs> it, it, it is tricky in terms of the single high player like bates or reed yeah nobody uh, OK, <laughs> maybe we would disagree on like Richie Grant or Javon Holland, who are viewed as okay. top guys. Uh, Jamar Johnson, maybe. OK, I'm not sure Jamar has the gas necessary to play deep middle like with Im- with impact. Um, But he is he's, he's that like you call it instinctive because sometimes he's super risky type. You know what I mean? Uh, it's right. like, oh, he's he's aggressive. Uh, you know, sometimes I just don't think he knows what he's looking at. So he runs a little hot and cold right now. Um, But his impact plays are really, really the high caliber, they're special and they're a lot of fun. Uh that so, kinda
1: seems like uh Darnell Savage's tape where he's just like he's always coming downhill and he's just he's he's around it. <laughs> that's what I was
7: thinking of when I was talking about when I was yeah. when I when I saw him and I was like, Oh, you know what? Like from a Darnell Savage <laughs> perspective, you could like him. But right, that in terms of guys who are gonna play the roof and, and be that that safety blanket you want in the back end, it's Travon Merig to me, and then nobody, right? Like Andre okay. Sisko out of Syracuse, Richie Grant at UCF, Jamar Johnson out of Indiana, all these guys like could play deep middle, but I think you're gonna run into problems. If you wanna go deeper, it's Tyree Gillespie out of Mizzou and Derek Forrest out of Cincinnati. Both of those guys, I think, can end up deep middle safeties in this class who matter and are impactful. I'm not sure you're going to get it from them in year one. Gillespie's a little bit more athletically limited. He's a multi-year starter. I think he's going to be, you could get him out there in year one and be fine. Derek Forrest is awesome. Um, but he, they, like I said, that structure in Cincinnati was pretty weird. Uh, and so yeah. he spent a lot of time just sitting 20, 22 yards back and just policing <laughs> like the middle of the field that nobody was going to throw to anyway. So he's a right. little bit unmeasured in that, in that regards.
1: What about what about cornerback? Because, you know, I actually, we can we could dial back to a guy that you mentioned before. Like, you, you said, you. I love Jair Alexander. Loved him. Mm-hmm. Loved him. Loved him. Coming out. Who was who the guy? Was it? Was it? Asante? Asante Samuel Jr. So that's one. Who else at corner? Do you think I would just be like swooning over?
7: Did you not watch Asante?
1: I have watched Asante. I, I really like Asante. Like, okay, that's, yeah. that's my guy. I- You're right.
7: I wanted to make sure that I got you with that one. All right. So yeah, further in the Asante mold is Elijah Molden out of Washington. Uh, mm. 5'10", 190. Best tackler in the entire world. Uh, tremendous transitional quicks. Unbelievable zone instincts is small. You know what I mean? And so it's it's <laughs> like uh, if I'm playing as heavy cover two as any team in the league, I can maybe sneak him in an outside corner. But uh, as it stands with his frame he's probably going to be a nickel and honestly with the way he plays in short zones you kind of want him playing in, in the slot because you want him having those routes developing behind him and baiting quarterbacks into throws uh, but he's really solid in that regard in terms of an actual outside corner Paulson Adibo out of Stanford he doesn't have like Asante and Jair have the attitude and Adibo yeah. doesn't have the attitude he's much more so chill uh, mm-hmm. much, much more so CB2 vibes not CB1 vibes you know what I mean <laughs> Um, but uh x four-star wide receiver recruit great hands great route recognition really really nice click and close uh and he can more so than samuel and this makes this is a good connection to jair more so than samuel he can play man and zone because he has the length to do it and that's the thing about jair is even at his size he's a really good man cover corner i don't think that's going to be true of asante uh adebo can play man and then he's really effective in, in, in zone as well you just don't get the uh the entertaining reps on film of him just absolutely jawing at a wide receiver. He just blanked up. Adiba doesn't really have that vibe.
1: You, I love that you know that I love that vibe. You know that I love the all-chirp team, right? Like I like guys right. like uh, the the the, the LaTeX guy, Amik Robertson, 5'8", 187" right going up against Texas he was going up against like a 65 222 dude and then a, and then an even bigger dude after that and like he's pressing these guys and he's barking at them and he's doing all this stuff and it's like a little chihuahua nipping at him everything like that right
7: Kerry Vincent junior uh slot at okay. LSU opted yeah. out for 2020 played in 2019 that's your guy just way too small to be talking the way he's talking <laughs> just not not respectful in the slightest absolutely love to see it
1: if your cornerback has his mouthpiece in more than out i'm probably out on him that's right it's <laughs> it like jalen
7: ramsey lining up before this now that thing better be hanging off the face mask because you got something to say you just see
1: the head bobbing and the john going on <laughs> all right all right ben. great suggestions there i appreciate you joining us here on the sb nation nfl show as we inch closer to the 2021 nfl draft let the gentle listeners know i mean probably they know where you are but let them know where to find you on social what you're up to plug whatever you want man Fire away
7: yeah no so the draft network we are gonna be live all week draft week starting on monday and so if you follow us on social the draft network that's the spot i'm on twitter at benjamin solak which is s-o-l-a-k uh and yeah we're just pumping out mocks and fits and final scouting reports all for the next what is it now 10 days eight days i don't know what day of the week it is at this point i'm just content (laughs) machine sometime the sun will rise on thursday